Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 25. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite or devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for your grace, for your mercy, and your kindness towards us, Lord. We confess that it is you who give us, give us life. It's, it's you who gives, gives us every breath that we breathe, Lord, even in the midst of this, this chaos and, and, and troubled times. So, Lord, as we come to your word today, I pray that we would see what true gospel freedom is, that we would get to experience liberation um, in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. We love you. We trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as people living in the United States, I think we all appreciate and embrace freedom. I mean, what's the most iconic landmark in our country? The Statue of Liberty. What's the First Amendment in our Bill of Rights? Well, it's all about freedom. Freedom for religion, freedom in expression and speech, freedom um, to press, to uh, petition, assembly. It's really all about freedom. Now, if you watch a sporting event or you go to an actual sporting event, uh, they always sing the national anthem, right? And the, the highlight of the song comes at the very end when most singers, uh, they come to this lyric saying, the land of the free, and then they just hold that note on free for like 10 seconds, right? And when they do that, everyone is applauding, everyone is screaming, you know, clapping, cheering like crazy. There's just something that rings in our hearts when we hear the word free. We love freedom. And that's why I think for a lot of us, this COVID-19 situation is so difficult. Because in a sense, it's limiting our freedom. We can't meet the people that we want to meet. We can't go to the places that we want to go. And we can't do the things that we want to do. We just can't do a lot of things in life. You know, we are limited in our freedom. We can't live the way that we want to live with all this limitation in our freedom. 
Now, as Americans, as people living in America, we appreciate and embrace freedom. And so we come to a passage like this, you know, it, it just, just brings something in our hearts. You know, it gets us exciting because of what it says in verse 1, Paul makes this incredible statement about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. You know, in Jesus, in the gospel, there is freedom. Now, remember, Paul, he's writing to a group of Gentile believers, believers that are relatively new to the faith. Uh, they live in this region called Galatia. This was a place where Paul visited in his first missionary journey. So these are people that he led to Christ. These are people that he evangelized to. You know, he saw the church forming in his very own, with his very own eyes. And he saw these people fall in love with Jesus. But what happens is after he leaves, there's this weird group of people who come to the church and they kind of bring this false message, this different message uh, from what Paul has preached. They say, hey, you know, the Christian life is not all about Jesus. No, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to obey the law. You have to get circumcised. Uh, you have to do all these uh, traditional things. Um, you have to work for your salvation. You have to earn your own righteousness by keeping the law. And all these false teachings were causing people to stumble, and it was causing people to fall away from the faith. And Paul, noticing this, he writes to the believers in Galatia, and he says, there is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other gospel there's no other gospel than what the gospel I preach to you because the gospel is this. You are justified in Christ. It's not in the law, but it's in Christ. You are justified by grace. It's by sheer grace. And it's, it is through faith that we receive this gift of righteousness. Now, after explaining all of this, after kind of theologically arguing and giving illustrations for the, from the Old Testament, and, and making his argument in a very logical way, we come to chapter 5, where finally Paul kind of brings some application to his arguments. It says in chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. And he says, therefore, don't follow the old ways. Don't be under the yoke of slavery. Don't live under the law as slaves. That's what he's saying. Stand firm in your freedom. You know, Paul warns against this old life in the beginning of chapter 5. He says, if you follow this old life, if you are without freedom in Christ, you know, what happens is in verse 2, Christ is no advantage to you. In verse 3, it says, we are under the obligation of the law, meaning we are enslaved to the law. In verse 4, it says, eventually you will fall away from grace. You now, in Christ, there is this incredible freedom, and when we fall away from this, we simply fall away from God's grace. And echoing these words, Paul says in verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. We can see that he's not just addressing super Christians or the leaders of the church, but he's addressing fellow brothers, fellow Christians, fellow followers of Christ. So we see that this idea of freedom is not just a big deal for Americans, but it's a big deal for us Christians. For those who follow Jesus Christ, freedom is a big deal. Freedom is why Christ has saved you. It says that you were called by grace to freedom. 
Freedom is not just a byproduct. It's not just an add-on. That's something that comes with uh, God's gift of salvation. No, it's, it's the reason why God saved you. He wants you to embrace and enjoy this freedom. Jesus called you and saved you to freedom, which begs the question, do you feel free? Do you feel liberated? No, there's just one problem that we run into when we come to a passage like this. You know, we love the idea of freedom. We embrace the idea of freedom, yet it's hard for us to enjoy this passage because there are times when we don't feel that free. No, even after we believe in Jesus, we can't deny that we still struggle with sin. No, we still struggle to do what is right, and rather we choose what is wrong. A lot of times we need to do more stuff uh, to get God's approval. We feel like we need to do more things to receive the blessings of God. We still worry about our future. We still fall in love and fear the things of this world. We know that Christ has set us free from this passage, but the problem is we don't feel all that free. No, if I'm a Christian, if I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, then why do I still struggle with sin if I'm free? And if you stay in this state for a long time, what happens is you go down this track of doubt. First, you begin to question yourself. You ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Why why am I dealing with this? I, I prayed about this many, many times. And then after you kind of question yourself, the next thing that you do, you question your own salvation. Maybe I didn't say the right things when I prayed to Jesus. Maybe I didn't make the right decision. No, maybe I'm not understanding something. Am I really born again? And then after questioning yourself, your salvation, you begin to question God. Is the Bible even real? Or is this just one big lie? Is Jesus' blood and the work of the cross, is that good enough to save me? Does God really love me? When God says, in Christ you are free, is that freedom real? No, the goal of today's message is quite simple. I just want us to understand what freedom really means. I want us to have a biblical understanding of true Christian freedom. Because as much as freedom is a beautiful thing, it's also one of those things that we misunderstand a lot because we have a lot of presuppositions and understanding from the world about freedom. So today, I just want to walk through the passage, the text, and highlight a couple things that will sharpen our understanding, that would enrich our understanding about the freedom that we have in Christ. So here's number one. Freedom in Christ does not mean you don't struggle in life, but rather it empowers you to have victory over your struggles. Freedom in Christ does not free you from the struggles in life. Rather, it empowers you to have victory over your struggles. Look at verse 16. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify or carry out, in other translations say, the desire of the flesh. Now, if we want to understand this verse, we need to understand what Paul means when he uses the word flesh. When he says the word flesh, he's not talking about uh, our physical body. He's not addressing the skin, the muscles, and for some of us, the fat uh, that wraps around the bones. Um, Rather, he's talking about our sinful, fallen nature. 
what's broken inside of us spiritually. He's talking about the selfish nature that we have. That by nature, we don't gravitate towards the things of God. Rather, we seek to uh, the things that are contrary to God. You know, uh, in, Paul, in Paul, he gives us a long list in verse 19, 20, and 21 about the works of the flesh. And the flesh, we see that this is present in the believer's life. That we are not free from the presence of sin. Rather, we live with this sinful nature. So keep this in mind. Keep this definition of, of flesh in mind and look at verse 16. Paul, he says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify or carry out the desires of the flesh. It does not say if you're a Christian, you're not going to struggle with your flesh at all. Rather, he says, if you walk by the Spirit as a Christian, you can actually have victory over the desires of your flesh. The reason why you and I struggle with sin, although there are a lot of external elements and conditions that impact our decisions, it's really a battle that takes place in our hearts. It's an internal battle with our old self. You know, Jesus, he never, by the way, said that we're not going to struggle in life when we become a Christian. He never said that the, the difficulties of life, the temptations of life will disappear once we believe in him. No, being a Christian does not mean you are free from all these temptations. Being a Christian means that you have the ability, you have the resources to overcome these temptations. You know, in many ways, if you think about it, life gets harder when you become a Christian. You know, I have the privilege to work with a lot of our youth um, at our church. And there are times when um, some of our kids, they will miss church for a couple weeks. So I call them up or I try to meet up with them. And I ask them the question, hey, why did I see you at church? And what's going on in your life? And so they share their struggles. And really, their struggles boil down to this. They say, I don't think I'm a Christian. Because, Pastor James, I prayed a lot of prayers. I made a lot of decisions. But I just don't think I'm saved. I still struggle with the same addiction. I still struggle with pornography. I still struggle with anger. I still have brokenness in my relationships. And so I just don't feel like I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, I, I thought following Jesus would make life great. That, that life would be easier if I follow Jesus. If I just give him everything that somehow, you know, my life will be bearable. But I noticed that when I became a Christian, life actually became harder. I mean, most of the time, I'm, I'm feeling guilty. I'm struggling and seeing all these different sins in my life. I feel unworthy. I feel dirty. No, I'm not sure at this point if I'm even saved. Maybe some of you can kind of relate to what I've just said. But did you know that what you think is unusual. A lot of people think that struggling with sin is unusual in the Christian life. The Bible says that is absolutely normal. And here's why. In Romans 7, Paul, he actually expresses this. He says, man, there's a battle that takes place in my heart, that there's this kind of beast inside of me that forces me to the, do the things that I, uh, that I don't want to do. I try to do the right thing, yet because of this battle that's placed in me, I, I just can't do know, the things that are pleasing to God. You know, even the great apostle, Paul, he talks about this struggle. But notice in Romans chapter 8, it says that for every Christian, God gives us his spirit. 
The moment you become a believer, the moment that you are born again, what happens without any exception, if you are in Christ, you have the Spirit of God living in you. You can't be a Christian and not have the Spirit. You can't have the Spirit and not be a Christian. And here's the thing. When the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is living in you, it has some things to say that are dirty in your heart. You know, the closer you get to the light, of course you're going to see more dirt in your heart and more dirt in your life. And that's what the Bible says. The moment you're born again, you have the Spirit dwelling in you. And every little thing, the Spirit is commenting. The Spirit is leading you. He's saying that this is not okay. The things that you thought were okay before, you know, maybe going off on a friend, maybe, uh, maybe being unfaithful with your money, maybe lying or, or, or some hidden sin that you're struggling with. Maybe before you knew Christ, that wasn't a big deal. But all of a sudden, after you meet Christ, not only is the light of Christ shining upon your life, but the Holy Spirit is so holy inside of you that you can't stand the sin that you see in your heart. And at that moment, you have two choices. You can either fall into the lie of the enemy and believe that you're not saved, or you can recognize that this is not something abnormal, but something normal, and the Spirit of God wants to address something deep inside my heart. It's absolutely natural for us to have conflict and struggles in our Christian life. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The two don't mash well together. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So the flesh and the spirit, they have competing agendas. They desire different things. Our flesh, we, our flesh it desires sin. Uh, the Spirit of God desires righteousness. Our flesh desires darkness. The Spirit of God desires light. Our flesh is so self-centered. The Spirit of God is God-centered. So we see that there's these two competing interests within our heart. And to have that, to have that conflict, it is absolutely natural. If you're not feeling anything inside after becoming a Christian, if life is just great and you're feeling great about yourself, could it be that the Spirit of God is actually not inside of you? The day you become a Christian, there's an entirely new dimension that opens up regarding the struggles in our life. But it's a good struggle because that means the Holy Spirit is working in you. Here's the good news in today's passage. While we still see that we have this sinful nature, that we have this flesh, this old self in us, even after we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, notice in verse 16, it is possible to not gratify or carry out the desires of the flesh. Look at verse 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify or carry out the desires of the flesh. So see, there is a command and there is a promise. The command is to walk by the Spirit. The promise is if you walk by the Spirit, when you do this, the Spirit is going to lead you so that you will not gratify, cling on to the desires of the flesh. So freedom in Christ, it does not grant you this freedom from all struggles in life. It empowers you to have victory over your struggles. Second thing, freedom in Christ does not grant you um, freedom to do whatever you want to do. It empowers you to do the right thing. Just because you're free in Christ does not mean you can do whatever you want to do. Rather, the Spirit leads you to do what is right in your life. Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So just because you have this sinful desire does not mean you can use this as a springboard to dive into sin. You can't just let go and let God saying, God, I know that you're going to forgive me no matter what. I know that what no matter what I do in my life, I'll never be good enough to your standard, and, and therefore I'm not going to even try. I'm not going to even bother. You just decide whether or not you're going to accept me into heaven. Now, that's not the right attitude. We can't have this casual attitude towards sin if we surely understand that the Spirit of God lives within us. In us. We, if we believe that God has a plan, not just for our justification, but for our sanctification, that every single day He's trying to make us more like Christ. If we understand that beautiful plan of God, we can't just eliminate uh, the sins that we, or deny the sins that we see in our lives. We have to address it. You know, Paul, he says here that, that we can't just use our freedom as an opportunity to sin. We can't abuse the fact uh, that, that we have grace in Jesus Christ. We, we can't just turn to freedom and make an excuse for sin. No, he says instead of using this as a springboard to dive into sin every single day, walk by the Spirit, rely on the Spirit, engage in the battle, choose what is right rather than what you think is right. No, follow the Spirit and follow what He says in your life. Allow Him to speak things in your life. Allow Him to remind you of the things of, of Jesus. You know, when you walk by the Spirit, when you have this inner conflict, you, know, you have to choose what the Spirit says, not what your flesh says. Now, if I want to live a healthy life, if I want to exercise, by the way, our EM staff, they always give me a hard time about this. Uh, there are certain things that, decisions that I have to make in my life. I have to eat healthier, I have to work out, I have to have a regular sleep cycle. If I simply say, well, food is too good, if I simply say, well, I'm just hungry all the time, I'll never achieve a healthy physical life. Same is true with our spiritual life. If you simply go after the desires that you have and say, you know, because I have this craving towards sin, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. No, if you do that, if you're not disciplined in your spiritual life, then you will never achieve this healthy spiritual life. Just because you have a desire does not give you the right to do what you think is right. Follow the lead of the Spirit. Embrace this healthy spiritual lifestyle by submitting to uh, the Spirit of God. Look at verse 13 one more time. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul, he's quoting from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. He's not just saying that this is the only law that you should fulfill, but it, this points back to the greatest commandment, right? Love God and love others. Um, it points back to really summarizing the law. Your freedom in Christ empowers you to love. It empowers you to serve others. It empowers you to fulfill the law. One thing I want you to notice here is that word serve. It's the Greek word doulos, which can literally be translated as slaves. You know, I think you know, in our English translation, we wanted to make it a little bit subtle, so we translate it into servant. But you know, it really literally means slave. Notice that what Paul is saying here is that although you are free from the law, when you have freedom in Christ, you are enslaved to love. That, that's your duty. 
that, that's your obligation. Freedom in Christ does not mean complete liberation or complete independence. No, rather, freedom in Christ, it means that you are free from the bondage of slavery, and now you're free to serve God. Just think about the people of Israel from Egypt. In Egypt, they did not have a choice. They, they could not choose whether or not they were going to serve God. They, they, their lives were fixed. They were forced to serve Pharaoh and the, and the Egyptians. But we see once Moses led them out of Egypt, when they crossed the Red Sea, now they have the freedom not to do whatever they wanted to do, but now they had the freedom to actually live according to the law. So freedom in Christ, it does not mean you can do whatever you want to do. Rather, it empowers you to do what is right. And what is right is to love and serve others, to be slaves to Jesus Christ to the point that you are living out the law. Third thing is this. Freedom is not an abstract idea. It always is, it is always visible in the form of a fruit. Freedom is not just this abstract idea in the Bible. It is always visible because it's this fruit. Uh, look at verse 19. You know, Paul, he lists out 15 things that kind of associated, are associated with the works of the flesh. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because I read it before, but there are different categories. Some sins are related to sexual sins. Some sins are related to idolatry, the sins of idolatry. Some sins, a lot of sins actually are related to relational sins. And then we have these different sins that are related to substance abuse. But these are not just the categories that God has, but rather these are examples. Look at the end of verse 21. It says, listing, after listing all these 15 things, Paul says, and things like these. And he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible warns us that if we continue to live in the flesh and do the works of the flesh, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a clear warning here. However, look at what the Spirit does in the life of the believer. Look at verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against, against such things, there is no law. Now notice that before Paul said the acts of the flesh, but here he doesn't say the acts of the Spirit. Rather, he says this is the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that means something. It tells us something about Christian growth and Christian change. By the word fruit, we know that growth, it's not initiated by us, but it's initiated by the Spirit. Fruit is something that grows in an organic way. Um, it has to have a tree or something to grow out of. In the same way, we, don't, we don't, don't just produce these fruits in our lives by ourselves, but rather when we abide in Christ, when we trust in the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces this fruit in our hearts. And from our hearts, we see visible fruit in our lives. We also see that this fruit grows gradually. Sometimes it requires a lot of patience. You know, a lot of us, we are so used to this quick lifestyle. But, you know, if you do farming, if you try to grow different types of fruits, you know that it takes time for a fruit to grow. That you can't just be impatient that the, there's no fruit in one day. Rather, you believe in the process. You, you continue to water and, and, and nourish um, your, your heart. And one day you will see fruit. And that's the last thing about this that the fruit of the Spirit in the believer's life is inevitable, that eventually you will see fruit because it's not you who produces the fruit, but as you abide in the Spirit, it's the Spirit that produces the fruit against all the odds 
against all your circumstances in life. So freedom in Christ does not mean that you are, you are struggle-free in life, but it empowers you to have victory over your struggles. Freedom in Christ does not mean you can do whatever you want to do in life. Rather, it points you to do what is right. Freedom in Christ is not this abstract idea, but it's this visible fruit in our life, which leaves us with one simple question. Now, how do we walk by the Spirit? Now, if you look at verse 5, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only working through love. love. Oh, the verse right before that, it says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So we see that it is through the Spirit of God, by faith, that we have this hope, not just any random hope, but hope to be righteous, hope to produce fruit in our lives. So how do we do this? I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to crucify our flesh. Look at verse 25 or 24. It says this, And those who belong to, the, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Notice that Paul does not say, Hey, kill your desires or eliminate your desires, get rid of your desires. He doesn't say that. Rather, he says, crucify the desires of the flesh and the passions of the flesh. Why? Because your victory over the flesh is directly related to your relationship with Christ. When you abide in Christ, when you remember all that he has done for you, when you kind of live out Galatians 2.20, where it's no longer you, but Christ who lives in you, that's when you don't do the things that you want to do. Rather, you would do the things that the Spirit wants to do, just like Jesus did the things that the Spirit wants to do to please God. We see that, that it's not just about trying harder. It's not just about doing more things in our life. Rather, it's really about trusting in Christ, trusting in what he says, obeying his commands, and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Whenever you are tempted in your life to sin, whenever you are struggling in your faith, that's when you look at the cross, you look at Jesus, you remember all that he has done for you and will come and do for you. And you rest in this hope that you have in the gospel. So you crucify your, your, your flesh which is Christ. Second thing is this, keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so it says kind of whenever you have conflict rather than choosing what you want to do, notice that God has something better. Notice that, that when you choose what you want to do, eventually it's going to lead you to destruction. But when you choose what God wants you to do, although at that moment it might be hard, eventually it will lead you to life, an abundance of life. I want you to see that the secret to having victory to over sin, to the secret to having freedom in Christ, the secret to walking in such a way, all the ingredients that we need, it's, it's provided for us. A believer is crucified with Christ already, so we can crucify our flesh. A believer already has the Spirit dwelling in us, so we can rely on Him. God is not asking you to pull something that's not of you. Rather, he's saying, I have already given you the tools to have victory in your life. So trust in those things. No, I just want to share this one last story. This uh, guy named D.A. Carson, he's a well-known theologian. Um, one day, he was talking to his friend, his co-worker, and his co-worker was sharing how he met a Jehovah's Witness. And after having this conversation, normally, uh, you know, they have this conversation about the crucifixion or 
uh, other things, but they were having a conversation about grace. What this Jehovah Witness said at the very end is this, I can't accept that we contribute nothing to salvation. I want a religion that costs me something. No, this sounds too good to be true, that we have this free gift in Jesus Christ. How would you respond to that? No, what Dr. Carson said is this. Well, partially that person is right, but in a very different way, that person is completely wrong. Because with our salvation, it's true that we don't do the work. Christ already did the work for us. But if you want to believe in Jesus, in Romans 10.9 it says you need to believe in the resurrection and you need to confess that he is your Lord. Christianity does not cost nothing. It will cost you everything. For you to believe in Jesus, for you to fall at his feet, to you to bow down to his lordship, you need to give him your everything. If you think Christianity is cheap grace, then you're misunderstanding God's word. Because what the Bible tells us is this, whoever wants to follow Jesus, you need to deny yourself and crucify yourself on the cross and follow Jesus. It will cost you everything. That means in every small battle in your life, all that internal conflict that's taking place in your life, it's not meant to be easy. But you can have victory knowing that when you give your all to Jesus, he is eventually going to do things that you never thought you could do. In Ephesians 1, it says that the power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power of God is working in our lives. If God could have changed a dead man to uh, the risen Lord, then you don't think God can change your sinful nature, sanctify it, purify it, refine it, and use you for his glory? So trust in him. Let's worship him today. Let's enjoy our freedom. And also let's express our freedom by winning these daily battles, not by our own might or with our own strength, by trusting in Jesus, by walking in the spirit. Let's pray.